Blog Talk Radio. Shot the right field to win the game, 
So yeah, but Girardi tried to do that last time, pinch hitting uh, a rod for uh, a rod. Uh, Eric Chavez, the thirteenth, uh, I believe, and that was unsuccessful. So yeah, game five tonight at uh, five o'clock. Right after get off the air. So looking at that, do you think the pressure is more on New York, especially after last night's loss? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I believe that you know. Every year, the expectation is win the World Series, and the Orioles have just been that pesky club that they've hung around all year, and they've been, I mean, neither offense has been hitting the ball at all. Like, it's been a lot of quality pitching, but a lot of just very mediocre offense by both sides. I really think, though, the pressure's more on Yankees, because if they lose again in the, uh, LDS, and it's another year without getting to the World Series. It's just that. Because the Orioles, I mean, their season's success no matter what. That's right. They beat my Rangers. Very upset about that. A team that just collapsed, and only time will tell what happens with Texas in the offseason, if they're opting to keep Ron Washington or not. Also, Josh Hamilton is a free agent. So, yes. interesting to see what that happens. And then for uh, the 8 o'clock, 8.30, first pitch for the Nat, the Natinals and Cardinals? Uh, I believe 8.37. He's 35-07 for Yankees Orioles. Who do you have in that game? That's an interesting series, the way it's gone back. Oh, and Washington? Um, I re- originally had why well, I actually had Washington. I'm not still not a big fan of this uh, Cardinals team at all. I, I thought they they've been were, up and down. Yeah, they've been very up and down. I, I thought they got a little lucky because Atlanta was incredibly sloppy in the wild card game. So, but looking for the probables tonight. Okay. So why are you doing that though? That was one of the big events we missed last week. The whole uh, the showering yeah. of beer bottles. Yeah. Do you think the MLB handled that well? Uh, no, it was an absolute disaster. Just a completely atrocious call made by uh, that umpire there. I mean, any way you interpret the infield fly rule, every single interpretation of that rule, not literally none of them applies for that situation. When uh, and it really it hurt the Braves, but they hurt themselves. The atrocious call by the emperor who made the call like as the ball was about to hit the ground. So like it was an extremely late call. I mean MLB they, they did put the game in protest. The Braves did, but to, to be fair to MLB, like what are really going to do? They're going to play back the last two two three innings? I don't think so. But it was just an atrocious call that and. It wasn't reviewable either, so it was just a complete disaster. And so that's the reason why I'm guessing that St. Louis has so much of this momentum in the playoffs because of winning that wild card game and now taking the Nationals to five games. Of course, I think the Nationals will win tonight. Home field advantage and coming off a walk-off win last night of a player that a lot of people had questionable doubts about Jason Worth is really worth the whatever million. million. You like that? Puns on fanatic radio. (laughs) It'd be interesting. I hope the Nationals win because I think they owe it, they continue to owe it to the city of seeing Steven Strasburg on the bench. I'm very upset he's not in, but like we talked with uh, Tom Shadow, Washington Times Nationals correspondent, they sure. have done a very good job of taking what they have essentially without their star pitcher and making the best out of it. We had uh, in our in Flo and I's debates of the Cy Young winner. You mentioned Gio Gonzalez. Yes. Uh, it was actually starting tonight for the Nationals. I had to look it up because I was not prepared. And he's going up against Adam Wainwright tonight at, uh, at, at Nationals Park down by the Navy Yard. So, But, um, yeah, Gio Gonzalez, 
He's not going to win the Cy Young, or at least he shouldn't, because it should go to R.A. Dixon. But Gio Gonzalez has had an awesome season. Like, because I knew he was good. Everyone knew he was good. But he's been better than what everyone thought he was. And he's, he and Steven Strasburg really had an awesome one 2 tandem at the top of the uh, rotation. There's a lot of criticism for the Nationals, though. You know, should they have started Strasburg later in the year? Should they have put him in the bullpen? But I really, I'm one of the few people, like, like you say, with a brain that has no problem with them. I mean, this is the franchise right here. He and Bryce Harper are the franchise. If he, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. So if he, if Steven Strasburg, like, got hurt and ended up not only going, like, for a few more years, we got hurt again, then it's like, all right, yeah, we were pushing all the chips towards the center of the table for a World Series. But even then, if they were to get a World Series, which by no means was a guarantee, and then, then you lose your ace, the guy who should be your ace for the next 10, 15 years. So I I have no problem with that. I believe they made the right move. And, and ultimately, I don't think they'll regret it. All right, and we'll switch gears quickly because we'll go back to our baseball segment. A lot of things to talk about, especially the National League games, the other side of the National League games. And, of course, uh, Melky Cabrera became the first player, I think, in 40 years, 30-some years to win the, get the Triple Crown. Or Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera. Melky Cabrera. He's the guy that juiced up. Yeah, he used the guy that juiced up and then made a fake website. But, yeah. Miguel Cabrera. In fact, uh, Cliff Corcoran, the great Cliff Corcoran at SI.com, said, looking at the numbers, yeah, the numbers say that nobody's ever had triple crime or has had a triple crime in 40, 40 years. But it wasn't even Miguel Cabrera's best season. And I encourage everyone to go take a look at the piece because it is an awesome piece. And it's really thought-provoking. And yeah, but Miguel Cabrera's had an unbelievable season. And he's played the best when the team needed him to play the best which was in September. He had an awesome September, played a big part in Detroit. I mean, the biggest reason was the White Sox completely falling apart with Detroit getting into the world, getting into the playoffs, and now they're going to the ALCS after closing out Oakland last night. That's right. Uh, very upsetting is they could easily have been uh, Texas Rangers in that game. Absolutely. For as well as they did in the regular season for tanking. But now we're going to be quick. We'll be joined shortly by a very good friend of ours, very frequent guest on Fanatic Radio, mm. Oklahoma Sooners um, guard, a sophomore, James Rochilla. Ah, right, here we go. He went to my high school. He'll be joining us shortly here on Fanatic Radio. Basically, what we're going to do now is it's sort of an ongoing segment between now and when college basketball season officially tips off, which is that first week in November. Our American University Eagles have their first game on Halloween, an exhibition against Mary Washington before their first game on the 9th. And then, but today is actually Midnight Madness. Mm. Did you know this, flow? I did not know that. Basically, uh, for the fans out there, it is the NCAA's first official day of live, or I guess of real practice. The head coach can step in and give the X's and O's. But uh, before James joins us, are you excited for college basketball season? Absolutely. I love the college hoop season every year. It's always a lot of fun, especially when you look at the smaller schools who could potentially make be that baller make it to the uh, tournament, especially with our program. we got back-to-back games this year. We're going to Kansas, going to play at the Fog. That'll be, that'll be something. And then uh, right after that quick turnaround, we play Georgetown. I think it's the other way around. Oh, it's the other way around? Yes. 
All right. Like well, twenty ninth click Kansas, like the twenty sixth. Yeah, that probably makes sense. But um, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's high hopes this year. We got a uh, Lumpkins coming back after uh, a little bit of major league minor league baseball. I'm interested to see how because I've seen them practice uh, in just the, the quick little practices here and there. But it'd be amazing to see how he performs when he actually gets out into the real game situation. Uh-huh. Because uh, the Patriot League, it is not the best for us this year, as we have returning champs, Lehigh, who has C.J. McCollum, who apparently uh, C.E.D.R. boy, Chris Aldopoulos, he is projected 15th in the mock drafts. Uh, apparently it's started now, which is huge for anyone in the Patriot League, because uh, Tyler Tamea mentions Adonis Foyle, is the notorious lone NBA star from the Patriots went to Colgate. And then you have a Bucknell team that upset Arizona in the NIT. So both those teams that made it to the postseason did very well, and they returned Mike Muscala, 6'11 center. So you have Lumpkins at the center. Tony Urblicki, who is at the four, who is coming off a pretty decent year. First year embracing the role. Got, be- got a lot better as the season went on. He actually, I think, was led the team in blocks. Mm-hmm. So... Interesting to see how he goes out. I'm interested to see how some of the new players fill in. If um, names are slipping me, all I, all I know is our first name basis. But we have a transfer uh-huh. from Rutgers. Excellent. Who got cleared. So go. it'll be interesting to see how he brings some of the Biggie style play in. And we have a player from Serbia named Marco. Vlavic, I think is his last name. Vlasic or something. Not the pickles, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Be interested to see how they uh, mesh into this team, but but as you mentioned the Georgetown Kansas, my dad was telling me that essentially we could be facing two teams that are both in the top ten in the in the ESPN and USA Today polls. But um, for college basketball, we talked about a little bit about this inside the AU athletics segment on SportsZone, but the Harrison Twins have chose Kentucky. Yes, and that essentially puts. Two of the best players in the country on what many are saying is one of the best teams in the league or in the entire NCAA. Do you feel like having these two players go to Kentucky as opposed to Maryland gives Kentucky a better chance to repeat as national champions? Absolutely. And you look at Kentucky, um, Luke Wynn of uh, SI.com today came out with his top 32 power rankings. Actually, had Indiana number one overall. I'm not, apparently, they had a very good recruiting recruiting class. I'm not surprised because Tom Green, Tom Tom Green, or Tom Green is that. Tom weird Green's your cousin. Tom Green is not my cousin. He's that weird comedy guy. He's garbage. Made a lot of crappy movies in the late '90s. But yeah, anyways, Kentucky. You know what? Every I'm tired of this. Everyone hates on John Calipari saying, "Oh, he's ruining the game of basketball." No. John Calipari is doing absolutely nothing wrong. He's playing within the rules. It, the, the rules really should be they, they won't change because the NBA and the NBA PA are just a mess. But it should be you can either go right to the pros or you go to, I would like three years, but two years would make sense. Calipari, whether he's being truthful or not, probably not, has said he would support something like that, which makes sense. You know, I'm surprised people don't see these things, but, you know, when things make too much sense, they never happen. But, yeah, Kentucky, every year they're going to have a ton and ton of talent, and I really think they're definitely a team that's going to be contention. I mean, it is always tough because then when you always have freshmen 
and going into the NCAA tournament, there is just always a chance of upsets because they aren't used to, uh, you know, March Madness, and you're just, you know, young and at times raw. But California is showing you get a team that has all that is the most talented team in the country, and they can be most of them freshmen and get them to a national title. I mean, it wasn't easy, and it's never easy in March Madness, but it can be done. So they're definitely in the mix. Luke Wynn has a uh, Kentucky fourth overall. Who are the top five? I'd be interested to see what he says. So we have top. So Indiana one, who I think returned pretty much their entire starting lineup. Uh, maybe yeah. graduating one. Uh-huh. But Cody Zeller returns. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. I think second or second or first team All Big Ten, which was a phenomenal performance mm-hmm. for them. And that team actually upset Kentucky last year. Yep. Who is number two? Uh, Louisville Cardinals. Ooh, interesting comment by Rick Pitino earlier in the summer. He said he discouraged his players from playing pickup mm-hmm. because he wanted to keep them and their skills. Up to up to above so far, which you know most of the players they'll come in and they'll just play uh, you know play around and whatnot. But he actually strongly discouraged it, and I think a lot of people should take this team seriously because they made the Final Four last year, and I believe uh, Payne Silva is a senior this year. Yes, a returning point guard who is very good. Also, uh, is J.R. Smith's cousin. Really, did not know on that. the Louisville team. J.R. Smith, third overall, North Carolina State Wolfpack. That is a bold statement. That essentially makes them number one in the ACC. Yep. Which, I mean, I don't see why not, but because North Carolina graduated everyone, mm-hmm. essentially. A lot of people went to the NBA. Kendall Marshall, John Henson, yeah. uh, Tyler Zeller. Duke lost some guys as well. Austin Rivers left as well. I think they I think they kept Mason Plumley. He's the only solid returner. But, uh, yeah, because Miles was drafted, overdrafted. Pros, because I mean, hey, I mean, there's nothing better that works at Duke than other athletic white guys that get overdrafted. You know, that's like us minus the uh, the draft. Yeah, right. yeah, pretty much. The NC NC State. Who are some of the returning players on that squad? Uh, really, the big guy to look at is uh, uh Scott Wood, okay. who's a top to sharpshooter, made over forty percent of his threes last year, and they're really going to focus on him. And this is a team that. A lot of people that love going to the NCAA tournament, but they made a little run. I believe they got to the Sweet 16. Or may, was it the Elite Eight? They upset Georgetown the first round. Yes, that's right. So no, they, no, it was Georgetown in the. No, 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 you're right. I don't remember. But yeah, the second round because they played North Carolina in the. Uh, yeah, I think it was the Sweet 16. They played. Yes, yes, and they. Cause they almost won. They almost won that game. Yeah, because uh, Carolina was coming up that very tight win against Ohio. Mm. Yes. So. Yes. We have good eyes on, yes, them, on this show. Absolutely. So we have Kentucky four. Yeah. And who is fifth? Uh Florida. Interesting. Interesting selection there. Yeah. Who so because Bradley Beal's gone on that team. Yeah. Is Kenny Boynton still on that team? Um probably not. I, or Urban Walker. Not certain, but I know the guy he's really big strong of is uh forward Patrick Young. I mean, there's not a huge amount of information. Oh, Patrice Young. Yeah. Very good player. But um, but now we'll get back to our college basketball analysis. But now we are joined by the one and only James Rochelle, live from Norman, Oklahoma. James Rochelle joins us here for our weekly conversation. How are you doing? How's Oklahoma? It's good. What's up, Michael? How's it going? Not much. Just doing the show. We're back in our studio today. We've uh, been bouncing around because our school really doesn't have a, a set place for us. But um, are you excited for Midnight Madness tonight? 
I am. Uh, we don't we don't really have an event tonight. We're having one next weekend, but uh, got about uh, an hour and ten minutes before uh, five o'clock rolls around and we get started with practice. So uh, been looking forward to it since uh, since last last spring pretty much. So it's uh, it's crazy that it's finally here and we're ready to get going. Now, I was at uh, the Maryland Terrapins uh, media day earlier this week because I went to do for a class and Mark Turgeon in his second year coming from the Big Twelve. You as well have a second-year head coach. Do you feel like you have a little more trust in Coach Kruger as he takes over for his second year? Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, we, we all, you know, we are getting to know him last year, uh, getting to know the terminology, how how he works, how the coaches work. Um, now that he, he's in his second year, uh, it should be a little bit easier just to, you know, get going from the start of practice and already, already kind of know what we're doing and already know his terminology and the way he uh, runs practice and stuff. So, yeah, but uh, we're definitely, uh, definitely – really ready to get going in his second year because uh, he's a great coach and he's leading us in the right direction. All right, and looking at your team, uh, is there any any uh, key players you need to watch out for? I know obviously Cameron, your boy, my boy, yeah. uh, Sherman, Texas is a key <laughs> player. Anyone else? Uh, any other new freshmen? Well, uh, we return all five starters. Um, I think we return like 88% of our scoring. Uh, Steven Pledger, he's uh, the leading returning scorer in the Big 12. Um, and then one of my good friends, who I'm actually in the car with right now, Amat Embai, uh, he was selected as the preseason newcomer of the year in the Big 12. So um, him, he's, he's one to look out for. Uh, but, yeah, we, we have a lot of talent. And then we have uh, three three really good uh, freshmen coming in, uh, Buddy Heald, Isaiah Cousins, and uh, Jalon Hornbeeks. And they all, they're all ready to contribute as freshmen. So uh, it's uh, it's looking looking bright for us. Are you excited for the the new Big 12, essentially, is what some are calling it? You have West Virginia and TCU joining the conference, uh, getting to play against Bob Huggins' team this year. Are you guys ready for that? Oh, yeah, it, it'll be really exciting. Uh, definitely ready to, to get to play TCU, and uh, it's it's pretty close to home, I guess, uh, compared to here. So getting to go to Fort Worth and play, and then uh, going out to Morgantown. I think our first first Big 12 game is in uh, West Virginia. So uh, it'll be exciting, and they're uh, – both both programs have a chance to be uh, good this year and the next couple of years, so uh, it should be fun. And one of the big things, uh, looking at you guys' schedule, you guys play in the Old Spice Classic in December. Yep. It's interesting because uh, you've actually been to that tournament before, even going to Oklahoma. How exciting is it now that you actually get to say you not only have gone to the tournament, but actually get to play in it? Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I've probably been to that tournament four times now. Just uh, my, uh, my dad. Uh, working it for ESPN, uh, so I, you know I've kind of I've kind of been to it a few times. It'll be a it'll definitely be different getting to actually be a part of it and and be one of the participants in it. Um, but I'll kind of you know know what's going on and it should be it should be pretty fun. It's a it's a real good event. They hold it at a uh, the Wild World of Sports at Disney World and you, they take you to the parks and stuff, the Disney parks and they put on a big uh, big banquet for you for Thanksgiving since we have to play on Thanksgiving. They'll hold it the night before so. It's a real nice event, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward looking forward to uh, sharing the experience with my teammates. All right, and we'll let you go get off to practice. But once again, James Rochelle, thank you for joining us as always here. Hey, and my, we're also uh, oh, I just want to add this: we're we're actually the only college basketball team this year. We're streaming all of our preseason practices live on the internet. So if you want to check that out, it's on uh, SoonerSports.tv, and they we just we just found out about it a couple of days ago. So. Um, they're going to stream all of our practices in the preseason live in HD on online, which will be pretty different. So just check that out. There you go. Some little information flow. Great. Once again, thanks for joining us, James. Uh, 
Yep. Good luck. First day of practice there for the rest of the season. Thanks. Talk to you later. Very interesting. I like that. Uh, streaming preseason practices live. Get a chance to Excellent. see the team. I love uh, it. Sort of as a double-edged sword, though. Yeah, yeah that's true. For everyone who watches it and ultimately scouts the team. But um, That's very true. I'm not sure the, there's uh, some kind of catch on that. Yeah. I'll be excited. Soonersports.tv. I definitely didn't want to check that out. Because they play. We have a common opponent for the first time probably ever. Yeah. As Flo mentioned, Kansas. But um, interesting story behind James. He is one. Uh, when I worked with the the broadcasting broadcasting their games in high school uh-huh. on my senior league, senior team and more players that hopefully will join us here on this ongoing season. So basketball season starts. We will be joined by next week by Zach Chu, who is a guard on the Richmond Spiders team okay. in the Atlantic Ten, and hopefully someone from AU. As you know, I think it's a necessity for us. Uh, hopefully joined by someone on the women's basketball team trying to return after winning the regular season championship last year from the first team ever in conference play to go 14-0. and And as well, there is David Allen, who is a walk-on at Georgetown, who hopefully we'll get a chance to see when AU takes on the Hoyas. Yeah. And now yeah, we were talking about that. Is he related to Tim Allen? I don't think so. That would be awesome. And uh, the final player we hopefully can try to get is Daniel Edwards, who is in my graduating class, who plays forward at Princeton. Okay. His freshman year, made the NCAA tournament in that very exciting game against Harvard. Maybe it was, I think it was Harvard. And almost beat Kentucky in the 2010 tournament. But um, we will take a quick break. But when we come back, we will continue our baseball coverage and Flo and I, once again, will talk about NASCAR because some very, yeah. very big news happened yesterday Absolutely. at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the chase. But once again, you go to facebook.com slash fanaticradio. You like the page. Go to the app, uh, bflow360.com. Check out some of Flo's blog posts. He had some big ones this week, didn't you? What? Big ones. Big, any interesting blog posts he dished out? Um, uh... Not really. I had a posted a video of the uh, Bonyas home runs we talked about, my usual NFL, college football picks. It's been a little light. But also one that's been getting a lot of feed, and I talked about last night on Sports Town, which will hit the air shortly, uh, Fox NFL Sunday, the opening of their show last Sunday. They did a little, uh, they had a couple of their guys do uh, the Gagnum style dance. Probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. I, I described it as as we were uh, in between segments last night, I called it an abortion, and uh, I got chewed out by a couple of people, namely Chris Eldab, who just chews me out for the sake of chewing me out. Aaron Vale, but she's always angry. So True. Uh, yeah. It's been a very successful weekend on club soccer. Ah, uh, that's what I heard. The team won eight one and two one. There we and go. And the goalie. Yeah, that's like an 8-1 classic victory. Exactly. But uh, once again, stay with us here on Block Talk Radio. You're listening to Fanatic Radio, Kyle Gardner, and the notorious Ben Florence.
return now to America's favorite premier sports music program, Fanatic Radio. Once again, oh. Michael Gardner along with the notorious Ben Flores. Make sure to check out his Twitter handle, at bflow360. He'll <laughs> get to that shortly in the oh, show. Man. Go to his blog at bflow360.com where he's had some extensive posts, including the Gagnum Style. Pretty much any, anyone who's done the Gagnum Style or a Call Me Maybe parody, like the one you posted way back even before the Olympics or in the NBA playoffs when they were at the Staples Center. Yeah, well, that was funny, mostly because of Craig Shay. Exactly. That was very cool they did that, too. One of the rare opportunities in the NBA that three different sports, or three different teams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was cool. Playing multiple series. Yeah. And once again, go to Facebook. <laughs> go to Facebook.com slash Fanatic Radio. Also, check out the podcast on iTunes. You get a chance to listen to our interview with OU senior basketball player James Rochelle, part of our uh, five-part series or whatever we can call it, where we are interviewing someone related to college basketball before the season tips off, especially for AU Halloween night on the 31st. But for us, we'll go all the way to November 9th when the Eagles tip off their first game of the season again. I want to say Quinnipiac. Uh, I hope so. Or that would actually be great. I know a bunch of guys from my high school. A bunch of guys went to Quinnipiac. It's not that hard. Where is that? It's in Connecticut. Is it in Connecticut? Uh, yeah, like I said, I know a bunch of kids that went there. But um, I think my sister actually looked at it. Really? I don't know why I'm driving to school with my sister. Is your sister, uh, she accepted it? Yeah, she's uh, at Drexel right now. Hey. She went uh, toward the end of September. They actually beat my brother's soccer team. Yeah, well, there you go. Shout out to the Mason Patriots, who I'll hopefully will be coming to see on... Saturday, they take on Bill and Mary, as my dad likes to call them. Bill and Mary. So, one and three, in, one and three in CAA play. Uh, for AU Athletics, uh, both soccer teams are on the road. Men's soccer in a heated game against Lafayette on Saturday. That will be for supremacy of the Patriot League. Oh, yeah. Top of the standings. Of course, American does have a one-point advantage. Women's oh. soccer goes to Bucknell. After a two-win performance last week before, your ladies picked up yeah. two shutouts as my well. Ladies. Stepping up the game. I loved it. It was great. Doing well there. And the volleyball team will be in Bucknell, or Bucknell and Colgate. A very important game against Colgate because that is a must win for them. They are currently undefeated in Patriot League Conference play. The volleyball side, but I think the Eagles have pretty much all momentum on their side. Last Friday, they two sets down. Beat the Navy Mississippi. Three sets to two. Oh. Also, shout out to Kylan Scheidt, yes. who is the setter on the team and Joining us for AU Athletics and making your debut with the communications department as you will help us out working the field hockey game, which is this weekend for those of you on campus listening to our show, which there is a lot, as I found out this week from a very funny email I got, which we'll mention at the end of the show. Two field hockey games this weekend. And also come out and see our swimming team. I guess the dual meet. Catholic and W. But um, did you uh, – we'll go for 30 for 30. We all like sports movies on this show. Yes. There is a new one coming out tonight I am very interested in watching. Did you watch last week's the title, Broke? I missed it. I heard I heard about it. A lot of people got very good reviews. Because, I mean, anything they make is very good. But I, yeah, I missed it. I don't know what it's all right. Uh, <laughs> interesting for tonight. I'm looking forward to it. This is a documentary by filmmaker Daniel Gordon. He's made a lot of sports films. He's a 
So that is uh, Daniel Gordon, director from ESPN 30 for 30, 9.78, an interesting documentary, which we will uh, encourage all of you to watch, because uh, also a uh, shout-out to our boys at House of Run, uh, the podcast that interviewed him. But uh, back to Flow Nice baseball segment, this was from Melky Cabrera, courtesy of uh, FS Detroit, on his performance of getting a prestigious for the for no for non-baseball aficionados out there. Those who lead in, I think it's batting average, home runs, RBI? Group crown, yes, sir. And this is from Miguel Cabrera himself. Feeling. Uh, first of all, I got to uh, say thank you to God. Uh, you know, this moment, to give me you know, he had his jokes done. Go right there and play every day and, and be healthy and try and do my job. And, um, enjoy this time. It's unbelievable feeling. You know, I think this guy is like how I'm feeling right now. It's like playing home, you know. Had all the fans like cheer for you. Um, it was unbelievable feeling. Um, I was very thankful for for the fans here in Kansas City. Um, uh, it was like great moment in my life. I think seeing here, I play with great managers. 
Well, I think we play with Leila. I think in 2008, he pushed my baseball, my level to, to another level. I think he pushed me to go out there and play uh, play hard every day. Don't throw away any bats. And, you know, I always like, say thank you to him, to my coach, to every guy to, to push me that way. How long will it be before someone achieves this speed again? Um, I'm not certain because the big thing that was the, that the hardest thing is the average. Yeah, and I think um, yeah. Matt Kemp came close last year, mm-hmm. didn't he? He did. Players are getting close, but the tough thing is the average. Because you see now a lot of big power guys are not also average guys. They strike out a lot because they have big long swings, and they're trying to always hit the home run. So, But I think you'll definitely see it. Uh, it I don't think it's going to be something that comes common because you're going to need an all-world hitter like a Miguel Cabrera. And uh, I think I I don't think this was something that oh it was never gonna happen ever again because it obviously did and so while I don't think it's gonna be a regular occurrence I don't think we're gonna go 40 years again without somebody hitting a triple crown but I mean I'm often wrong so it's interesting because uh, a couple of years back or especially this year a lot of guys have had no hitters yeah and then this year we had three perfect games um I want to say yes. Which we beat, or actually, Matt, not Mash, but we called it here on Fanatic Radio. At least I did. I don't know if you did back in March. I said, oh, we said over and under the one and a half perfect game. Yes, I, I remember that. I went over and so got it. But now you apparently we see a lot of hitters <laughs> doing well at it. Because apparently last year, Ryan Braun did very well with yeah. the batting average. Matt Kemp almost got the triple crown. They could back up to this year before he got hurt. Uh-huh. And then we had uh, Josh Hamilton doing well with home runs before his slight little slide mid-season. And, of course, Miguel Del Cabrera hitting the triple crown, which is very cool. The last person, Carl, what's his name? Wait, what? Guy from the Sox. The last triple crown. Carl uh, Yastrzemski. Yes. That's amazing it took that long for someone to do that. Because he was a good hitter. But um, the Tigers... Are in the ALCS uh, now. Uh, ALCS. Yeah. Now. In the ALCS, they won last night. Justin Verlander was dominant exactly when they needed him. Oakland was never able to get the offense going. It was a shutout, complete game, victory for Verlander. And there's a little lot of people expect to be. All season long, or before the season, everyone thought the Tigers were going to be an elite team, and they were the clear best team in the AL Central. No team would really be that close. And that ended up not being true. They sh- they were inconsistent. Now they put it on, put it all together. And I think this team, I think they may right now be the favorite to get the uh, World Series. I know I hate to bone the Yankees like that. And, but then again, there's no guarantee that they get in. So. Exactly. But uh, and so then who's the other match that's still going on in the NL? Washington, the, the Nationals, and the Cardinals. Oh, we said the Nationals. Yep. And then they they'll, on face, they'll face the winners yeah. of... They will face the winners. Uh, they, no, oh, the Giants. Yeah, they'll be actually taking uh, San Francisco Giants. And Zach Drescher, San Francisco Giants. Although, they came back from being down 0-2 to the Cincinnati Reds, a team that I picked to be in the World Series. Whoa. And they came back. Actually, look good almost. But right. the, uh, the Giants came back, won all three games in Cincinnati, which was also very impressive because they had this weird 2-3 format based on because they put the uh, – Schedule's already set, 
So they decided to put in the wild card, so they had to scramble to put this in. So this is added and took out an off day, even though it's terrible for them. But uh, yeah, so Giants, and then whoever wins this series, and I really think the Giants, they have unbelievable pitching. And Buster Posey is really making a case. I mean, MVP should not be reflective of the postseason. But Buster Posey, I saw yesterday, had a huge grand slam. And you, there was a big moment where uh, Cincinnati had two runners on. There was a full count to uh, the catcher, Ryan Hannigan. Uh, so yeah, it was Kane. He struck out fly, and then the runners, he said the runners, was a full count. And then Posey threw the runner out at third. So, I mean, Buster Posey's had an unbelievable season. He's by far the best player on that offense. So I really think that he's playing awesome right now. You got a lot of good average guys in that lineup, and I think they'll be the favorite uh, in that in the NLCS as well. But then again, like I say, I'm always wrong. So, so, so yeah, there's Mookie Cabrera on the Giants. Mm-hmm. A huge player missing. Yeah. And then earlier this year, we said uh, everyone was saying Tim Lincecum. He's two-time Cy Young winner, Cy Young Award winner. I have like a five, five point something ERA. And yeah. The freak is back this oh, yeah. season. I agree. He's been very. He's been hitting very well. Series or I believe he pitched not yesterday but either the day before. But yeah, disappointing season. Matt Kane really solidified himself as the ace of the club with an awesome season on this court. So, but yeah, the Giants they got a deep rotation and that that always helps. And, and so now we go to our extensive coverage of the 2012 Chase of the NASCAR Sprint Cup. Yes. Wild finish at Talladega. Oh, yeah. Big one returned in dramatic style, pretty much wiping out all but five guys in Chase contention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to Tony Stewart on that one, avid listener of the show. Yeah. Uh, very, very friendly with the media as well. Well, that was completely his fault. Yeah, because it was. I mean, he knew that it – I mean, let's let's just be honest. Casey Mears pushing Michael Walter had a big run going into three – Stewart, a split second late, decided to block. And he ended up crashing, and then he ended up flipping on his uh, hood because a huge 25-car wreck and enabled uh, Matt Kenseth to get away with the win. But, yeah, I mean, I think guys realized, like, cause I, I was worried was Stewart going to blame Mikey Walter? Because you remember Clint Boyer, who actually drives her, he would always blame Michael Walter no matter what happened. But, um, yeah, Stewart, you know, uh, that's the thing I was respecting Tony Stewart. I mean, with something like this, he, he'll admit that he's wrong. And kind of like, remember, like, Carl Edwards a few years ago when he had that huge wreck again, the final lap when Brad Keselowski won. So his first career race, too. Yeah. Digging back in the archives, the first time he ever won. And that oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his first win. And, yeah, so look at that. And so Stewart, I mean, he knew it was his fault because it was. And it shows how one person's mistake at a track like Talladega, and somebody at NASCAR.com noted that it, the big one was going to happen. You had a couple of times where you had Matt Kenseth at one point, he was near the front, and he came very close to spinning out, maintain control, the maintain, main I can't speak right now, maintain control. Greg Biffle also had an wreck as well. And, all, and Jamie McMurray, he spun while he was in the top five. And he didn't hit anybody either. So one mistake happened, and it took out a huge amount of the field. Last lap crash. Unbelievable stuff. And one of the guys involved in that big one was Dale Earnhardt Jr. He went 
announced yesterday that he will be sitting out the next two races at Charlotte and Kansas. Due to a concussion, he yeah. suffered at a tire test at Kansas. Regan Smith will hop into the 88. Before, this is, as much as people in NASCAR think that these drivers are safe now with the, uh, the developments of the Honda device and the car of tomorrow and what the car of today, safe for yeah. there and everything, it's interesting to see not just any driver get a concussion, because Eric McClure suffered one. Yes, I remember in that. In the Nationwide Series. But to have I a, tell that you're earlier this year. Right. To have a key figure like Dale Hart Jr. miss races, though. Maybe he's in the chase, too. This is a huge thing for concern, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, I was thinking about concussions are a huge cause for concern right now in the NFL. There were so many years, like, oh, he had a mild concussion, though, but he's all right. So this really hasn't happened, but this is incredibly important because if he took another blow or crashed, have serious head injury, and, and another thing is that he is in the chase, but he is second to last. He's 50 points out, but he's had a great season. So uh, I think it's it is the wise move for you know what, take the next two races off. We don't want anything serious to happen. Love Regan Smith, who's coming off a fifth place finish. He, you know he got caught up in the wreck, he's able to drive off, finish fifth. But he'll run this weekend and next weekend at Charlotte and at Martin, Kansas. And so. It's real. It really could with with concussions. Now we realize you can't take these things lightly. You have to take them seriously. So they're making they're making the right move, even though when it is such you know a big name like Dale Earnhardt. Especially in NASCAR, because NFL, if you get a concussion, you essentially just sit on the bench, wait for the next play. NASCAR is pretty much a three hour race. Yeah. And Junior said he was driving Talladega pretty much at 90 percent. So it's pretty much driving a three hour road trip. Yeah. Uh, you take your occasional gas stop or whatnot, but pretty much with a headache and no, yeah. no chance of. And, you, and not only that, you're driving on a hunt. And, pe- and I always hate when people are like, "Oh, NASCAR drivers they take no talent." I mean, they're idiots. And still, I'm like, from the north. Like, yeah. And, well, no offense to the fans of the north. Yeah, or me, but <laughs> yeah, they as Bill Riley would call them pinheads. But here's the thing: you're driving, like you said, you drive with a headache for three hours continuously. You're driving at 190 miles an hour. And you're inches away from other cars. And these this is not like driving your, your mother's Ford Taurus. These are high-tech. I mean, there's not a high-tech in Formula One cars, but they're heavy, large automobiles. This is Inches not, away from each other. Yes. Like I say, I cannot stress that enough. Inches away from each other at 190 miles an hour. And if you slip a little bit, you'll as we saw on Sunday, you'll take out a lot of the field. So, and, that, and that's how people get hurt. So, you can't... Because there's never really been a concussion problem in NASCAR, as far as I can recall. So now you see that across the world of sports, concussions are now starting to take very seriously. As I mentioned, McClure's uh, accident was May 5th. Actually, it took him six weeks to fully make a solid recovery for mm-hmm. turning back to 14. Hefty uh, duty. Yeah. Nationwide car. Mm-hmm. Only imagine how long Junior is. He has two races. will do the work. Interesting, though, that Regan Smith takes over. Yeah. Was scheduled to race the 51 car, and that puts A.J. Allmendinger behind the wheel of the yeah. racing car. So, silly season continues to see if he could possibly return to that car. My aunt disapproval. She did not want A.J. Allmendinger to come back to NASCAR. But, uh, I had a soundbite from him last week, but I was reading statements, but he's back. And, uh, Flo, did you see the ESPN Magazine DC issue? I, I did not see the issue, or I, I've not read it. I saw the issue. I know they were putting a big DC sports, uh, Issue and I know there was a little bit of controversy. Was what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it was interesting because oh, a guy who's pretty much known for DC 
sports. Yeah. I'm working in the area for so long, the Washington Post, and that's why the interruption was filmed in D.C. says it's not a legitimate town. Do you agree with his argument? Uh, I disagree. And he noted that he says that he thinks the Georgetown basketball is higher than the Caps, which I, I mean, I'm a part-time resident of the town. Country, but, um, and I just want to help you out. And uh, Dan Weinberg of uh, Weinberg, Steinberg, Steinberg. DC Sports Bog. Yeah, DC Sports Bog. Good friend of the one and only Don Marcus. Yes, the immortal Don Marcus. And yeah, you know that that's definitely not true. And I can tell you that that's also not true. You know, maybe when Georgetown basketball was at its peak, 80s, 90s, that's probably that true. But and uh, Bram Weinstein was actually he tweeted with Dan Steinberg about it. Hey, you legend, Bram Weinstein. Like yeah. on the show this, uh, early, later, later than next week. I hope he does. And he said that he referred to Wilbon as once a carpetbagger, always a carpetbagger, knowing how Wilbon spent a lot of time in Atlanta, Arizona. And it's weird because, like I say, Wilbon's written for the Washington Post, UPTI in D.C. So it's like I don't get all that extreme vitriol for – DC sports, like I definitely say, it's a better sports town in Atlanta. I'd say because I think I honestly think Atlanta is probably the most overrated sports town. Terrible. And yeah, that's my little rant on Atlanta. Never have either. Here's an here's an interesting thing. I've been to uh, between the hedges to see Georgia Bulldogs that's, play. Flew into Atlanta. Never actually. That's pretty there. cool. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so I don't I don't care where this rant little rant. But uh, once again, before we wrap up the show, it is now time for our critically acclaimed yeah. segment. And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we'll just be keeping the funk alive. Mm. Cano has been pretty terrible. Uh, 
uh, Curtis Granderson, Swish, Nick Swisher. These guys haven't hit that well at all. And the, the Yankees are batting like 216. The Yankees are batting 192. So it's not like everyone's like, you know, it's a murderer's row and everyone's, you know, 10-9 games and A-Rod's just ruining everything. But, so, yeah, that's the uh, little spiel about it. A-Rod's just been, I mean, and, you know, we all know how infamously unclutch A-Rod is. So, there you go. All right, and then, um, on the 10th of October, you got into nah, some of a, sort of a mini beef with your boy Zach Schwartz. It wasn't really a mini beef. I was just because it was, I want to say Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday night, actually Wednesday morning, and uh, uh, friends of mine, friends of a friend that became friends, that makes sense, at uh, Missouri, they have a radio show on Sunday nights at KCOU.FM uh, from 7 to 9, and they had a show from... Midnight to two in the morning. I guess I don't know why they got a red eye slot in the middle of the week. Not great about a red eye slot once. That red really? eye when we broke the Sandusky scandal at Penn State. Ah, there you go. But yeah, so nothing <laughs> uh, like a little Sandusky mention. But <laughs> um, but yeah, all that aside, he got what thirty years in jail. Yeah, he should be in there for life, shouldn't he? Well, yeah, but the guy's like what seventy years old. True. And apparently, he can get out. He can get out. On parole in like a, like so many years. Yeah, but he you will no get denied. Like it's the same thing like with uh, Mark David Chapman, the guy who shot Lennon. Actually, Lennon was seventy-two. Same thing with uh, George uh, Manson. Uh, he, he always he doesn't even go to parole meetings, but that guy's just nuts. I mean, this show just took a nice left turn. <laughs> but um, and yeah, back, back to so I was it wasn't like a back and forth. I was just calling him out because they were talking to a guest. It was a female he had to call her in, and he was just he was just hitting on her. Much like what we don't do on this show. Exactly, because you know what you know what we have class. We, we have do. class and respect for our female listeners. Just to show us uh, how successful the show is with our listeners, Billy Montgomery was on our show what? Yeah, three four weeks ago. Uh huh. You know, leads the team in points. For the AEP hockey team Hell and yeah. leads goals had actually scored one of the five that scored in a nine to two game. Yeah, excellent. Your final tweet that I'm noticing: excellent '80s remix right now in TDR. Yeah, I was in TDR for a cafeteria that plays nothing but the hip hop and the R&B. Yeah, they, they had some, the '80s. They had some '80s stuff. I heard uh, some uh, rhythmics. What? Yeah. Uh, some Michael Jackson, a fair amount of Michael Jackson, then some Jackson 5 going back even further, back to the 70s. But yeah, it was interesting. It was a little grunge album. It wasn't uh, good, but I didn't, wasn't really on the point. You know, good morning, but yeah, brunch. Good music. So. That was today. Yes. Much opposed to tavern closing last night to your uh, displeasure. Yeah, that, that pissed me off. Uh, what happened was, usually, I go with some of the guys, you are often, you as well, but you weren't at the show last night. I cover for the show, actually. There you go, as we should be. You know, I do. No preparation for sports, but yeah. So the um, yeah, tavern was closed, and then Eagles and Nest, which is always open. I've went, I've been in the a reliable site yeah, on this campus. I've been in Eagles Nest at like one thirty on a weekday morning. It's great. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, they were closed. So and then I go back. I want to cut the Z. Big. The Yankees were playing as well. 
And I ended up not, I headed out to uh, CVS about 11, 15, 11, 20. Not the one down the road, because that one closed at 11. I could have earlier, but then I went to the one up in Valley down with just 7. I got a nice little dish of Red Baron pizza. It actually was not bad. It was not bad at all. I know Red Baron pizza is solid. I guess you a Cleveland Brown shout out. Oh, you are living la vida loca. There you go.